Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving higher. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 306. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you're buying your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. As usual, I got Tanner Amke back here with me talking about what's going on in the overall world. And we're, uh, you know, the cool thing about hunting season is that there's a goose season, but I don't know if there's a black swan season. We should get one of those so we can calm some of this down a little bit. But looking around, Tanner, there's there's no lack of things to talk about right now. No, as that make, that makes our conversations that much for that much more fun. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, what have you been up to, man? How things been going for you? Digging out from some snow today, and uh, that's the main thing. We're just finishing up our year ahead outlooks uh, yeah. for CoBank, and that's going to be released here in the next couple of weeks, next few weeks. Uh, so that'll offer our views on uh, 2023. And uh, that's all of the sectors that uh, we typically talk about on this show. Uh, Casey, it's going to be grains, livestock, uh, dairy, especially crops, the ag economy, the macro economy, all that's good, all that good stuff's going to be in our year ahead. Yep. There's uh, been been plenty of stuff in the news that we've talked about. We always do a little wrap session here before we start talking, and you know we kind of have to cut it off here after we get a long list of things going. But there's there's so many things out there, and I think probably the one thing that I'm sure that you put into your uh, to your outlook there and how that's going to affect the overall marketplace is, is this, you know, on again, off again situation with the black sea corridor, uh, getting that stuff open. Yeah. They everybody sat down and came to an agreement that they're going to extend it out for another 120 days. That puts us into what February timeframe, roughly that they're going to have to go back and re uh, reassess mm-hmm. what they have going on here. But I guess, you know, right. Tanner, you're looking at that, what are your thoughts there and, and, and how do you think that plays into the marketplace? Well, that's uh, it's obviously positive if you're an end user for grains. Uh, clearly. Uh, so, you know, my focus is uh, really on dairy these days, and that is uh, going to be positive for anyone feeding cattle. Uh, but, you know, the markets uh, looked like it was uh, it was more of a muted response, Casey, because I right. think the markets are still having to price in 
the uncertainty of these political agreements uh, that are negotiated with Vladimir Putin, and you never know about his position and what his motivations may be. And so because of that uncertainty, that it's something that can be changed quite easily uh, by one party, uh, that being Vladimir Putin, really, uh, that makes uh, it hard for a market to come back and say, okay, we've got a uh, more longer-term bearish scenario here with a lot of grain a lot of grain supply coming onto the market and those exports flowing into the market, uh, thereby uh, creating a more competitive export environment uh, for the U.S. Uh, It's hard to make that case because of that uncertainty. So I I checked the markets earlier and uh, they were indeed down a little bit, but it's hard for uh, the markets really to give up that premium just because of that uncertainty. Yep. So you brought something up here too that I've, I've been paying a lot of attention to, and that that's just because of the time of year that we're rolling into. You know, if you start looking at the strength of the dollar, you know, we saw, we had a strong dollar um, for quite Absolutely. some while, and we start looking at all the different phases that play into that. Now we're starting to see the doctor, the doctor, the dollar weaken a little bit as we head into this time frame. But then you, on the backside of that, you get all this inflationary, you know, ref, uh, aspects of the business that kind of cancel that dollar out when you start looking at the export side of stuff. So. I mean, as you're looking at exports, you're looking at the strength of the dollar, you're looking at all those things that come into play. How are you factoring those two things into what you have out there for, as far as predictions go? Well, as you pointed out, it's still strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, historically, even though it's come back a little bit, uh, I think the market is pricing in uh, perhaps a, a a Federal Reserve that is perhaps less ca- uh, hawkish. Uh, now that the, uh, the the inflation data that's coming in from the Bureau of Labor Statistics is showing that inflation is slowing down a little bit. And it's still very high, uh, but it's not as high as it once was. And so uh, the Fed uh, followed, with, followed through with their rate of uh, 75 basis points earlier this month. And now it's or, or the, in the last meeting. And so now it's anticipated that they may take that back a little bit. And you've got some... Uh, some of the Fed uh, board chairman, or excuse me, uh, board presidents, um, that are indicating that you know the Fed really needs to slow down on the rate increases, perhaps drop it down uh, to twenty-five basis points. Is that's what uh, Esther George in Kansas City said? Mm-hmm. And so you've got these signals uh, that the Fed may become less hawkish. I wouldn't say dovish, but less hawkish. And so the market is is responding accordingly. And so. Um, that is, uh, what we're seeing with the weakening of the dollar then is that that's the market perhaps pricing in, uh, a less, uh, hawkish fed, uh, because with the fed, if the fed were to continue raising the rates of 75 basis points, uh, in the next several meetings, well, that's really going to continue tightening, uh, monetary, uh, the money supply in the U S and that's absolutely going to put a stronger floor under the value of the dollar, but perhaps now the market is uh, becoming a little less uh, hawkish, uh, or the Fed is becoming a little less hawkish here, and the and the markets are responding to that. Why does all this matter? Because obviously the dollar matters for our exports, sure. and it's hard. I'm have a hard time getting there, Casey. That we're going to have a sustained weakening of the dollar in the opening months of 2023. The Fed has said they're going to raise rates to thereabouts about 5% uh, by March. And even if they were to come back off of that a little bit, it's they're still going to keep raising. 
I wouldn't imagine that we're going to have any uh, serious pivot from the Fed until after March. You know, the Fed is going to be looking for a series of reductions uh, in inflation before they can say, okay, we're done raising interest rates. So I think we're going to have a stronger dollar. Um, it's going to continue to maintain at upward levels. Uh, and that's going to be a headwind to our exports, at least for the next three to six months, in my view. Uh, and in addition to now, you've got these enhanced uh, grain flows coming out of uh, the Black Sea region. That's going to add more bearishness, bearishness to commodity prices. So I think uh, we've got to really brace for uh, these headwinds to be maintained uh, over the next uh, several weeks and months. And, and depending upon who you are, that's good news, bad news, obviously, for producers out there that sell grain. That's not great news. If you're a buyer of grain, if you're uh, like, for instance, a dairy producer or a livestock feeder, then this is welcome news. It's going to be uh, uh, softening your, or loosening your budgets a little bit and uh, making your cash flow situation perhaps a little bit better. So that's rounded about my view about where we're at right now. Uh, but unfortunately, so much of this hinges on politics and uh, the, you know, policy rate with the fed and uh vladimir putin agreeing to a uh that export channel uh those things can change quite easily yeah uh, so you never know yeah all right so as you look at energy right now and you start looking at natural gas and how that affects fertilizer and and, and then just the price of fuel related to the price of oil and those kind of things as you take a look right now moving forward i mean Assuming that Europe has the mild winter that everyone keeps talking about that they're going to have and and those kind of things. I mean, as you look at those kind of things, do you look and see in the future that, that fertilizer prices could come down 23? I mean, uh, I guess, what are your thoughts that, on that one? Well, the latest information we're, we've heard, and, and, I'll be, and I'm quoting our, uh, supply, or our farm supply analyst, Ken Zuckerberg here. He just came back from a fertilizer conference is that uh, that strong floor underneath fertilizer prices is going to continue to be there. We're going to continue to export LNG mm -hmm. over to Europe. The question is how much? Is it going to be mild winter? Is it going to be a hard winter? Right now, you, you mentioned yes, indeed. It, it will, it's forecasted to be a fairly mild winter, so that means they're not going to import as much LNG from the U.S., but we're still going to be exporting because the Nord Stream pipeline is still offline. And yep. they're still going to be pulling down on their reserves. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have to continue to keep uh, exporting to Europe. And that's going to be pulling on our natural gas supplies here in the U.S. And that's going to be putting a stronger floor under our uh, fertilizer prices and our energy prices here. And so I think that uh, that has to be priced in, uh, that we're going to be having uh, elevated uh, fertilizer prices as we go along and as these uh, as our natural gas supplies uh, continue to, to be uh, exported. So right now here recently, we've had a drop in export or excuse me, on fertilizer prices. So for those farmers that are uh, booking their uh, fertilizer needs uh, and prepaying for 2023, now seems to be a good time to be doing that uh, based on some of the forecasts that we're hearing for stronger fertilizer prices heading into next spring. Yep. Okay, so now you, we've been talking quite a bit about you know exports, what that looks like. But one of the one of the biggest things we have happening right now is this, you know, it, it's way early to start you know counting counting your eggs here. But I guess as you're looking at what's going on in Brazil, I mean they're 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 talking like 
the biggest crop they've ever planted is going to come to fruition and 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 what that looks like it's like us saying that may though we're gonna have the biggest crop ever in may you know that's what they always say but rarely is that true but assuming that 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 comes online and you start looking at the cost of our dollar and what that you know where if they have a major supply down there in brazil and all those kind of things come into play um i mean they need a big crop like that to come through we need a big crop to come through to kind of get supplies back into a uh, a more manageable level where we've got we've got some plan there but that being said that also you know have some price some play on price there too so i guess as you're looking at what's going on in brazil what's going on in argentina with their with their drought that they have going on there how's that playing into what you see happening in 23 and and, and where do you see Based on information, like where do you see crop prices? I mean, you 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 are you looking at the same kind of a crop price mix, or are you looking for some some settling down of crop prices? I guess is what I'm asking here. Well, I'd say first of all on the on the South American crop, yeah, that's indeed what uh, USDA is forecasting, and uh, they've responded to high crop prices just like uh, that you would expect, and so uh, acreage has expanded uh, to record highs. And the question is, what's their yield going to be? And, and they're right now in the middle of their planting season. We, we're not going to know until what their yields are until February, right. uh, thereabouts. Um, I would point out that uh, La Nina typically means hot and dry for southern Brazil and parts of Argentina. Mm-hmm. And so that would be uh, impactful to their productivity in those important growing regions. Uh, and so that would be overall bullish. Now, you add in the fact that we still have a strong dollar, and it looks like we're probably going to maintain a strong dollar at least into March, uh, with a uh, expected strong crop. It may not be record big, uh, depending upon when, what happens to the weather. But that really is a is a big gamble. We just kind of go off, have to go off go off of what we know. We know that we're going to have expanded acreage. So you have to pay, you have to make your bets based on that. Mm-hmm. We're going to have record large acreage. So you you can only really project with any confidence here that yes they will follow through with a very very large crop down there in South America with our strong dollar uh, that's going to be two major headwinds to our grain exports and then potentially resulting in uh, some softer cash prices here in the U.S. I mean that, that's how that goes. I would add in there's some other potential headwinds here. You've got some uncertainty over in China. Uh, the major buyer for soybeans uh, with their economy. You've had some problems with some of their major uh, hog feeders over there. One of their uh, the, one of the biggest hog uh, feeders in the world uh, declared bankruptcy. That may impact their ability to buy uh, hog feed or uh, soybean meal or soybeans. And so triple headwinds here that we have to start factoring in. Bigger crop, stronger dollar, and pressure in China uh, to buy soybean meal, soybean, uh, soybeans for crushing, corn, uh, dry whey for piglet rations, you name it. If it goes into a pig, there's a there's a risk here that we're going to see reduced demand at a moment of ex- uh, of expanded supply. Yeah. Okay. So when you are looking at kind of that spectrum, I mean, so are you assuming everything goes away? Are you assuming that there's going to be lower crop prices in, in the U.S. based around that? I think that's the only assumption really you can walk away with at this point. When you have those three major factors of uh, concerning economic conditions around the world, especially over in China, 
expanded production down in South America. Again, we'll see what happens with yield uh, given the weather, but we, we have to go off of what we know, and that's probably going to be expanded acreage that they're doing right now, they're planting right now. And the dollar we're going to assume is going to continue to maintain some level of strength uh, into next year. It may come down a little bit, but it's still we're still very high. So with all of those factors, uh, I would assume that we're that we're going to have some very strong downward pressures in the several weeks and months ahead into in 2023. Now, that being said, we still have our weather issues uh, here that we have to contend with. Drought in the western half of the United States, that's going to be impacting uh, farmer decisions. So there's a, there's a lot of things where uh, we may see some uh, firmer support uh, under prices. But I think uh, the overarching view here is with these fundamentals of expanded acreage, of a strong dollar, and uh, some risk over in China, and economic risk globally, uh, that paints a little bit more of a bearish scenario in my mind. Right on. All right. So with the grain corridor open out of the Black Sea, you're going to see more. You should see more. And I don't know how much more, but you should see more of uh, Ukrainian and Russian wheat leave. And most of that is predominantly shipped to Northern Africa. Um, and over into Asia. I guess looking at that right now, we've seen the famine issues that we've seen in there and, and the issues that we've seen uh, with with various you know things coming out of India and those kind of things when you're when they're cutting off supply. As that supply opens up and we see more of this corridor come in, what supply how do you think that's going to splash against what we see happening in the world now? I mean, as that comes out and there's less, I mean, obviously those those countries are looking at you know, places like Washington and places like, um, you know, other parts of the United States where they can get some grain to come out and those kind of things. I guess looking at that part now, what's your thought there? And how do you how do you think that's going to to, to calm down some of these uh, various coup attempts we see all over the place uh, and, and the various, you know, famines and those kind of things? How fast do you think that's going to take place? And, and, and then what is your outlook on that? Well, the geopolitical situation. Uh, Good times, um, boys. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm a, I'm a little reluctant to comment on on how uh, that I, I would assume it'd be impacted. Um, Africa is obviously going to be taking a lot of uh, mm -hmm. product uh, that comes uh, a lot of uh, agricultural product altogether. We're talking grains, we're talking dairy products, you name it. Yeah. They're going to take what they can get. Uh, out of Europe, because uh, that's the easiest trade. And then uh, we're a little bit longer across the ocean to fill that market. So as we start to see those uh, grain flows uh, out of Ukraine and the Black Sea uh, move faster, obviously that's going to be the benefit to uh, those African countries who have had to pivot over to um, India for a lot of their imports. And so that was especially for rice is what they were doing. Uh, they were leaning more on rice and, and I'm really, I'm really talking about those West African countries that leaned a lot harder on rice this year. So I think, um, yeah, that's absolutely going to buy some more stability uh, in those areas as food costs come down. Uh, and it's been mentioned many times, the comparisons of uh, high wheat prices, high bread prices, and uh, the, uh, the Arab spring. And, when high, when bread prices were record high, you had all that political instability. Well, now that perhaps we'll see some of those, some taming of those prices, perhaps we'll see some more political stability. That would be my expectation. But I'm not really a, a, a geopolitical uh, expert on that region, so uh, I'm, I'm not going to tell you what who is going to happen next. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not gonna go for it. 
Yeah, you find you find a geopolitical expert, and and I'll I'll show you someone that is guessing as much as I am. Happening <laughs> in that markup now. So let's jump over to your specialty right now. So your 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 specialty with, with CoBank is is uh, dairy and high value crops, correct? I mean, that's that's your specialty crops and those kind of things. Yeah, right? I'm pivoting more to dairy now because uh, that's been our. Uh, uh, growth fo- forecast here is we're going to see a lot of expansion in uh, dairy over the next several years. Yep. And so we wanted to have full-time analysts without having me uh, splitting my time between dairy and, uh, as you mentioned, high value or specialty crops. Uh, I'm going to be focusing on uh, dairy. We will be hiring a specialty crops analyst here shortly. But yeah, in dairy, that's an interesting uh, indus- industry because it's going to be uh, at the nexus of all these things that we're just talking about with grain. And then also with the consumer, uh, direct impacts there with uh, at retail with uh, dairy products. So, uh, you know, our view here with dairy is that uh, you know, it's going to be a mar- margin compression environment, we'll say, over the next several months uh, with uh, the herd having responded uh, to record high prices this year. Uh, we've got uh, uh, looser milk flows. We've got more milk flowing out of uh, Europe, and so that's going to moderate uh, milk uh, prices a little bit. But remember, we're still pretty tight globally, yeah. and so that doesn't mean we're going back to thirteen dollar milk. I would not bet on that. Uh, perhaps just uh, uh, a slight moderation, and so that's going to compress uh, farmer margins here in the U.S. a little bit. Uh, but I wouldn't say it would be a wholesale uh, collapse of the industry. We're not near to that. Right. I'd say the big problem here is going to be on the cost of production given all that we've seen we've had high costs of feed over the last several months and uh, i think an outlook here for uh, some weaker uh, feed costs or some lower feed costs would be welcome news for a lot of farmers uh, that are feeding cattle and uh, milking cows and so i think i think that would be welcome news for 2023 Uh, but you know as as this all goes, so much of this is dependent on um, political environments, and we are not in a stable political environment. What are you talking about, Tanner? It's it's crazy talk. <laughs> well, we just got through the midterm elections without anyone uh, without any coups, so we'll we'll take that yeah. as a win, right? Yeah, yeah, you got to throw that in there. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Tanner, good stuff, man. Um, you know, folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is you're doing at CoBank and, and how, you know, how to get some of this information you're talking about. What's the best way to do that? Uh, they can go to our website, CoBank.com. That's C-O-B-A-N-K.com. And they can find our research uh, on the Knowledge Exchange tab uh, on the homepage. And you can find everything that, everything that we produce there. Uh, and then you can, just, of course, uh, reach out to us uh, through the contact information there. Right on. That's It's well worth your time to go check that out, folks, CoBank dot com and that knowledge exchange tab there's tons of information there a lot of forward thinking people thinking about a lot of stuff that frankly i don't have time to think about because that's <laughs> it's a lot of it's a lot of deep, deep stuff in there so check that out tanner i appreciate you being on the podcast man yeah thanks casey thanks for having me back right on man i'm casey seymour with moving iron podcast make sure you check me out on facebook twitter and instagram at moving iron llc go to moving iron uh podcast on uh linkedin and check out the video version of this at the moving iron uh, YouTube channel called Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. So wicked, wicked creativity right there. So check that out. Go to movingironllc.com for everything Moving Iron related and uh, check out the Moving Iron Summit tab coming up here. That's be September 11th through the 13th in Nashville, Tennessee. So check that out. Uh, so with that, I'm Casey Seymour, Tanner Empty. Smooth, smart folks. 
out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving higher in the 21st century.